Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. I am so excited for today's guest and you'll see why once the whole interview with Brad Jensen kicks off. But I wanted to do an official little intro so you guys know exactly uh, who we're talking to. Um, So Brad Jensen. Brad Jensen is known as the sober bodybuilder. And his passion for the fitness industry um, really began when he was like 14 years old. So the story is when he first picked up his very first fitness and nutrition magazine, uh, he just knew, he knew in his bones, it's what he was born to do. And he became uh, certified in both fitness and nutrition because he wanted to know um, the most that he could, most that he could to be able to help people. So he has a bunch of different certifications, um, WellFit mentorship, Oracle Applied Science. He's uh, NASM and ACE certified. Um, and his passion for fitness and nutrition and overall well-being, um, even, you know, the spirituality part. And we talk about this on the show. And it's why this episode is called uh, Spiritual Fitness. Um, it really helped him, uh, lifted him out of his darkest times and helped him to overcome uh, a decade of addiction to drugs and alcohol, which we'll really get into. We'll talk about his sobriety um, and all of that stuff. So to him, it's not just about physical appearance. That's what I love about Brad. It's He talks about fitness as a lifestyle that's continually evolving. So I'll let him kind of tell you a little bit more about that, but I just wanted you guys to know his business is called Key Nutrition. He opened it up in March of 2017, and he and his team have helped over 3,000 amazing human beings achieve long-lasting success. Um, he also has a course that he calls the Next Level Experience, which is amazing. He's the host of the wicked popular, the Key Nutrition podcast, and he's also a dad to a sweet baby boy, Dominic, and to two fur babies, two dogs, champion and chief. Um, But there's also another guest that's going to be on the show today, and that is Sheena. And Sheena, (laughs) you guys just have to wait to see what I'm talking about. I don't even want to tell you any more than that, but just know that you know how we talk about um, Vicky with two K's from Lawrence, right? Like there's KK, there's Vicky with two K's with Lawrence from Lawrence. Uh, Sheena is kind of like an offshoot of um, uh, a character that Brad plays sometimes. I just want to give you the heads up. So just stay tuned in. You're going to see what I'm talking about and you're going to be so glad that you stayed till the end. <laughs> All right, you guys have a blast. I hope you come to love Brad as much as I do. Bye. Hey, you guys, welcome to the Karen Kenny show. Okay, I am so excited. I, you guys know I already talk way too fast, but I am wicked excited. And I'm not even really going to read my guest's bio. I just, I want to dive in with him, but I am, I already told him, you're going to have to be a little uncomfy and sit there 
while I talk about you. <laughs> so Brad, first of all, Brad Jensen, I'm psyched that you're on the show. Some of you may or may not know who he is, but Brad is amongst any other things. He's a bodybuilder. He's been sober for a, a while. He is uh, a nutritionist. Are you a technically a nutritionist? Yes, no. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, he's a nutritionist. He has a huge passion for the fitness industry. He's a dad. He's wicked funny. Like, there, there's so many things. He is the host of the Key Nutrition podcast. And he is one of the best parts about Brad and I's relationship. We barely kind of know each other. Like, we just kind of met on Instagram. And I'll let you kind of like tell the story of how we met. And, uh, and then I can like, I can like add a little bit more, but here's what I know. Um, most of the people that I have on this show, especially as guests, um, you know, I only have people on like once a month, if that. So the real estate to be one of my guests is kind of limited. So if you find your ass on this show right now, there is something <laughs> about you. There is something about your work. There is just, there's the perfect magical storm of, I either dig you, I dig your work. I want more people to know about you. So our world's just kind of like collided in a really fun way. And I can't wait to dive in and, and have people get to know you. But let's just start with, before we start with your origin story and how you came to be known as the sober bodybuilder and like have all these followers and be like, you know, semi-famous or whatever you call it. An influencer. I fucking hate that word, by the way. You're it. an influencer. But yeah. Brad, I want to talk about you, but let's talk about us for a second. Tell, tell the people how it is that we came to find each other. Do you remember the story you told me? Ab absolutely. Yeah. So um, first off, thank you for having me on the show. Super honored. Uh, and it, the fact that it's it's a tight list to get on it. I just feel <laughs> even better about myself now. And I was fucking late. But we'll talk about why I was late at the very end. It's because I'm an idiot, but it's because I'm not very. Uh, I don't remember things unless they're constantly reminding me. But we'll talk about why I was late. Um, you guys will see and hopefully it'll be worth it. But yeah, um, kind of crazy how. It's just, you know, that it's not odd. It's God. There's no coincidence. It's in not life. odd. Wait, pause, pause. It's not odd. It's God. Thank you so much. I'm going to hold up my little spiritual team on the job sign. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love it. Spiritual team I on love the job. It. Yep. So we were destined. So in A Course in Miracles, it says, basically, whoever is supposed to meet shall meet. There are no accidents. So not odd. It's God. Amen. Keep going. Yep. So, uh, my my soon to be ex-wife um had sent me a a podcast and i remember where i was it was like four o'clock on a thursday <laughs> i was at the gym uh and it must have been uh like a summertime because i wasn't getting dark yet it was very <laughs> light in the gym and she, we were there together not working out and she sent me this podcast she said you gotta listen to this you would love this lady i swear she's your spirit animal so we had just gotten back from boston shortly before that and i remember telling her i'm like i feel like i lived here in a past life like I, i've been to new york i've been to these other cities but it was boston i just fell in love with i fell in love with the people the way people act. i loved the city and so she sends me this podcast and it was the luscious hustle podcast which was two girls i had never heard of the podcast she said no it's the guest you're gonna love you gotta listen to this lady so i listened to this episode with karen with you and i was like i fucking love her i love her and um i listened to the podcast but then i just kind of went on my way and then uh 
year years later, probably two, I don't know, two and a half. Uh, you commented on something and uh on one of your posts on one of your posts on Instagram. Yeah, and my ex-wife, who I have a good relationship with, yes. said when I went to pick up my son, she said, uh, she said, Oh, so you're you're boys with Karen Kenny now, huh? And I'm like, Karen Kenny, how do I know that name? She's like, she commented on your post. So I was like, wait a minute. So I went and checked. I'm like, oh my God, that's the lady. I love that lady. <laughs> so I sent you a DM and Yeah, and, and world. it was love at first sight. Here we are. So you wrote to me and then I wrote back. And then I started like doing like I started doing voice memos to you in the Boston accent. So you like I was saying things to you. And then you like I was doing like little mini Boston accent lessons. And it was literally like just we hit it off. This is how I know, like spiritual team on the job. Like we hit it off right away. And you remind me a lot of another one of my dear friends, um, Jordan David. Jordan um, is a also a bodybuilder, but he's a vegan bodybuilder. And he has an animal sanctuary and he has a crazy childhood story. Oh, life. My, oh I know who he is. You know, That's Jordan? so crazy. Yeah. Well, so does he have like, uh, yeah, my wife, I think, was telling me about him, was following him or something? Um. Wait, Does he have like, say okay, that again? Maybe, maybe I'm off. Maybe but, I'm well, off. he Just has a really, he has a huge following. He has, yeah, okay, animal, then yes, she was he, following him. Yes, he has an animal sanctuary. He's like, he's like, but he's my brother from another mother. And that's how, like, I feel about you. Like, there's just something. About, so, there, like, we'll get into this in a little bit because I, I understand one of your um, clients. So, those of you who are now listening to this podcast, this is one of the episodes where I would say to you, it would behoove you to watch this on YouTube because this is going to be such a great episode. But so I'm doing like air quotes when I say, so one of your clients, Brad, that you've been working with for a long time is also going to join us on the show. Her name is Sheena. I am so excited that she's here with us. And people who are listening, just buckle up. This show is about to get wicked extra fun. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. So Sheena, stay over there. You're not, yeah. nope, you're not ready yet. No, sit down. Sorry. She's coming. She, she, she's, she's sit like, down, eat that. <laughs> to talk to her like a child. You'll see. <laughs> so I'm so like, we just, we just hit it off. And it was just like, bing, bang, boom. And then you, you recently, here's two fun facts. You recently had me on your podcast and it was amazing. And we had so much fun. And just yesterday, you know, who had me back on their show, the luscious hustle girls, I literally talked to them yesterday. And so it's all divine timing that we find ourselves here today. Wow. It's Go so great. figure. So here's, here's one of the things I want to talk about and dive right in. You are known as the sober bodybuilder for a reason. So you're not just a dude like bro science, lifting weights, getting big, like whatever. You're all those things, right? If you guys want to see what Brad looks like, you'll see him on the cover of the, the photo thing for the, for the event, um, for the podcast, but you jacked, you got, you, you got <laughs> guns, right? This muscles happening. Oh yeah. He just, <laughs> you guys can see what he's doing. I right was just now. stretching. Oh, he's showing me the guns. It's the best. <laughs> But um, you, the, the path that's really fascinating to me, yes, the bodybuilding, because there's a, obviously um, a certain amount of discipline, dedication. So when I talk about daily spiritual practices, I call it the five Ds of DSP, and it is daily dedication, determination, discipline, and devotion. There is no way you become a bodybuilder if you do not have those things. So I'm fascinated about that. I'm fascinated about how you talk about how... Um, like fitness is not just about the physique. 
that there's a whole layer of spirituality and you know, obviously emotional, mental, spiritual, all those things. But a big part of what you talk about, even though you are built like boom, like a brick shit house, is that you, the spirituality piece is a really big part of it. So the sober piece is what I found fascinating. So when, when I was on your show, one of the things you were talking about, because we were talking about my origin story, and you basically just said it very quickly. You said, you know, what's fascinating about me is that I didn't have a tough childhood. Like mm-hmm. I made it hard. So I, I just thought, a, I love your honesty. I can tell you you've worked a program of some kind because you have a fearless moral inventory taking that you do. Mm-hmm. And it's very obvious. And I love that. But so can we just start at like, what were you like as a kid? What the fuck happened? And how did you find yourself where you did? And then how do you find yourself here being known for being like wicked smart about fitness and nutrition and you have a big following um, and you're helping so many people. So lay it down for me, brother. Who, who were you and how did we get here? Let's try to do the short, um, the shortened story because I've been known to be a little long winded with this one. Um, you know, in, because after I heard about your childhood and by the way, your show, which is interesting because my, my, I just have to say this up front. Like, thank you for coming on. And I think you helped so many people through the guest experience on my show. My show is called the key nutrition podcast. And so many people are like, and that's just my company brand name. Quite frankly, it's, it's food, fitness, mindset, spirituality. It's, it's all the things And your episode has been done one of the best out of, out of all of them. We've had some really good, good shows. So thank you for coming on. Thank you. And it was a message people need to hear. But as I heard your story, I mean, it was, it was one of those interviews where as I was interviewing you, I mean, I literally, I was enthralled. I forgot I was doing a podcast. So Mm -hmm. your story was, and I, and I thought, you know, it's so interesting how, how all of our battles and trials are different. I grew up in a good family. I was youngest of five kids from a religious family. Um, in Utah, you know, right? You grew up in Utah? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was the predominant religion here, which is Mormon. Um, only my father is still hanging on to the religion, but uh, <laughs> my family as a whole very much believes in God, spirituality. And, um, you know, I grew up in a, in a good family, um, middle class, you know, had, we, we weren't rich, but I had everything provided for me. Um, you know, had good examples and role models as brothers and my father. And, um, you is know. it all boys? Is it five boys? No, four oh. boys. And then my sister, Michelle. So, oh, oh, that's right. Oh my God. Yes. Michelle, who helped us set up all this magic. Yes. yes. Who's also, yeah, my assistant and the co-host of the podcast, yes. Yes. me and her. So, um, yeah. And I grew up in a good family. And, and I say that because I, you know, I, I ended up, I was a chubby kid. Um, and it was very uncomfortable in my own body. And that's when I sought out fitness, health and fitness. I was, um, 14 years old and I was chubby, you know, look, I thought I was the fattest kid alive. Right. I thought I was just so fat looking back at pictures. I was that pre puberty, 12, 13 year old who, you know, ate too much uh, macaroni cheese, played too much super Nintendo. I, I mean, I was a chubby kid. I was, I, but I thought I was obese. So I started, uh, you know, I started mimicking things like Chris Farley van down by the river, right. On yes. Saturday night live. And, and people would laugh, with me. like I do that talent show. Okay. Can I so just I inter- like- yeah, can I interrupt for a second? And the reason why I want to interrupt is to say two things. Number one, I was also a chubby kid. And my stepfather used to say shit to me like, you know, you look like you swallowed a beach ball. And like just like stuff like that. And then my sister, um, my sister called me Chubbs. 
and used to make fun of me. And, and to this day, now it doesn't bother me. To this day, she's still, like, if, if she were to catch, like, a Facebook Live or when I would, like, do stuff publicly, she would write in the comments, hey, Chubbs. And I just laugh. But, like, so first of all, I just want to say chubby kid to chubby kid. I, I, I remember that feeling of some, I can relate on some level. And then, um, wait, what was the second point I was going to make? Um, shoot. All right. It'll, it'll come back to me in a minute, but, um, just and, interrupt me. Huh? Yeah. Just I, interrupt I, me. I just interrupted you, but no, no, no. But I wanted to just tell you that I, I understood that. Like I understood being the chubby kid a little bit like that, that, that thing. So my hat, I was just like, Oh, <laughs> Oh no, I knew what I was going to say. Thank you. Spiritual team on the job. Um, I was literally just talking to somebody about one of the ways that we take our power back. And I, I said this, I go, you see fat comedians do this all the time. I swear to God, I was just talking about this. You see it in the film, um, Eight Mile. Do you know that movie, Eight Mile with oh, Eminem? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you know oh, that yeah. last scene where he does the rap battle yep. and he yep. says, he says, um, I live in a trailer with my mom. I'm a piece of white trash. I'm a bum. And he basically says everything that somebody else could throw at him first. Because then he's like, he has taken away all their power to hurt him, attack him, come at him, because he says it up front. And it's what fat comedians or comedians with big noses or comedian, whatever your thing is that you usually get picked on about, when you become, like when you mm -hmm. lead with it or become the clown, it's exactly for what you're talking about. It's like a form of protection. And I just wanted to acknowledge that too, because I think it's really important. And now I'm going to shut up so you can finish. So you no, start doing guy down by the thing. Yeah, you're, you're great. No. Uh, yeah. And it, you know, it's those things where as a kid, uh, I'm watching Saturday Night Live uh, with my family and Chris Farley comes on and does this Matt Foley, this motivational speaker <laughs> skit, right? And I all of a sudden get up and kind of like mimic it, just joking around. And my family laughed at me and I was like, oh, Oh, okay. They're like, they think I'm funny. And I remember I was like, well, maybe I should try this with my friends. And so I did. And then they laughed. And then instead of laughing at me and making fun of me, they were like laughing because I was funny, you know, because same thing. It was, I wasn't picked on in the sense that like the popular kid in school put me in a locker, but all my friends who were like, you know, they were nice guys, but they were kids were, would make fun of me. Like, oh, whatever, Brad's fat. He'll finish the whole pizza, you know? Oh, yeah, because kids are did, dicks. Kids are dicks. Super <laughs> bad dicks, like super bad. You know, and I'd, I'd wear the black T-shirt to the to uh, to the swimming pool. And, you know, we get 100-degree heat here in July. And, um, you know, so I found an interest in health and fitness. And, you know, I'll never forget, this kind of dates me. And I'm not even old, but I feel like I'm getting older now. <laughs> Um, if, it, if, if there was something called Google around, this would have been a lot easier in my life, but this is 1997. Um, we're at a bookstore, Barnes and Noble. My mom's buying a book. I go down to the magazine section and I'm this chubby 13, almost 14 year old, um, kid hadn't really hit a growth spurt yet. And I pick up this muscle and fitness magazine. I remember looking at him like, I want to look like that guy. I'd never lifted weights, never done anything. So I started reading this magazine and I was enthralled, you know, and, um, mm -hmm. It was the first thing I've ever been passionate about in my life. I was a mediocre, sub-mediocre student. <laughs> and um, I, I, was, I was like, I love this stuff. So I kept, I, I'd ride my bike back there after school and I kept reading all the books. And so um, it was the first thing I was passionate about. And it started to, I started to transform my body by, you know, following what these magazines were saying. 
And uh, I didn't have a gym membership yet. So I was doing at home workouts, but I was doing these diets in the, in these books. Little do I know they were probably for like a bikini girl. So <laughs> I end up hitting a growth spurt. I, I, I lose a bunch of weight, but I also had a growth spurt. Then my friends are making fun of me for being too skinny. Oh. So by this point I can drive a car, I get a gym membership and I start lifting and my body transformed even more. So I'd already been eating really good, probably too yes. little, didn't really know what I was doing, but I was passionate about this. And so I transformed my body and I'll say this, something happened between those chubby ages. I experimented with, with alcohol, you know? And at my friend's house, we stole it from the liquor cabinet. It was, you know, the typical, like, oh, I can't do that. Okay, let me try it. And I remember I hated the taste, but I loved the feeling. And mm -hmm. I finally was comfortable. And when I was drunk, I was really funny. So I thought. But then as I got into this health and fitness thing, I realized just how bad drinking was for you. Um, and, you know, the way I interpreted the information was like, you're going to lose every ounce of muscle you've worked for. So I just quit drinking cold turkey. But you know, I believe my tests on this art, like what, what one of my big trials I, I was supposed to go through was, was addiction because I still felt restless, irritable, and discontent in my own skin. Uh, even as even I though you look, so even as you looked good, even, even as your muscles are growing and you're like doing all this stuff, it's like you're looking in the mirror and we're like a normal, quote unquote, normal, right? Person would be like looking at the progress you're still like your insides and your outsides are not, are not in alignment is what I'm hearing. A hundred percent. Like I, I thought, okay, so I, I get jacked. I'm a pretty big junior in high school. Like I'm a pretty stacked 17 year old. Um, How tall probably are you? The I like five ten. Okay. You know, but I was pretty stacked and um, I, you know, the, the, the popular, you know, girl in school that I thought was so hot that didn't know I existed, started paying attention to me, wanted to be my <laughs> girlfriend, all these things. And I thought that's what would kind of like lead to me just feeling like, oh my gosh, I've arrived, but I still felt this just a very uncomfortable, very insecure. Um, and it was uh, about 17 years old that, uh, I was introduced to um, opiates, to, to painkillers. And I never forget, there's moments, I can't remember much from high school, but I remember sitting in this guy's Ford Explorer, this old Ford Explorer, my buddy. Mm -hmm. And before we go in this house party, he looked at me and he said, dude, I got to tell you something. Everyone talks shit on you after you leave and make fun of you. And I'm like, why? And they're like, because they, you drink your protein drinks instead of alcohol. And they're all just like, call you a meathead. And I was like, well, I can't drink, man. I'd go in there with my muscle milk, ready to drink protein <laughs> drinks instead of drinking alcohol. And as a kid, you know, now I'd be like, well, I don't care if they talk shit, whatever. <laughs> uh, but I was like, oh, that's not cool. And he said, well, I don't know, man. I know you don't want to drink, but I've got these pills that will, will make you feel like you're drunk, but you won't have a hangover tomorrow. And you can go work out. And I'm like, what are they? And they, he said, pain pills. And it was funny. This is still how naive I was. I was like, oh, I'm not in any pain. And he was like, no, no, man, they, they'll make you feel drunk with no effects. And I, I'm like, done, let me try them. And I remember when those hit me at that party, <sighs> I, I had arrived. That was the feeling I had been chasing for. And I remember looking at him and I said, I want to feel this way the rest of my life. I loved it, loved it so much that the next day I said, we got to get more of those. And he says, oh, I can't, man. I took some out of my mom. She'll know. So I'm, I ran over there when he goes in the bathroom, I, I take some out. Like that is such abnormal behavior for somebody who's done them once. I was already conniving and stealing. And so to sum up the, the story a little bit shorter, that progressed and I started, uh, it's got worse. I started taking trips down to Tijuana, Mexico. 
um, from, from Salt Lake to give you an idea, that's like 14 hours. It's not like it's four. Um, and I would go to the pharmacias and I'd load, load my uh, door panels up with all kinds of narcotics and seal them back on and drive through the border. And I didn't know how many federal felonies I was committing, but, and so I have all this. Now I get into my first entrepreneurship, which was drug dealing. And I started dealing different high schools. (laughs) Wait, wait, can we just pause for a second? Like a couple of things here. I want to back up and ask you a couple of questions, but I love how we just made drug dealing entrepreneurial. Like that is like (laughs) the best. That's like the best. So that's wicked funny, number one. But let's go back because I think it's wicked important because a lot of people who listen to this, right? Like I didn't get the addiction gene. I did a lot of drugs. I, I, you know, I got high the first time at 12, smoked my first cigarette at eight, got drunk at 12 on Mad Dog 2020. Like I played <laughs> yeah. I, cocaine, mescaline, like I played, but I, I, I could literally start smoking. I would smoke a pack a day for a year. And then I'll wake up one day and I go, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. And like, I would be done. And so my friends who are addicts or have the addictive gene or the nature, call it whatever you want to call it. Um, they're like, so those of us who have never been really like, yeah, some people might be addicted to sugar or chocolate or whatever. Everybody's chasing a thing, but it's a really different thing to be like, I tried it once and then I was all in, but here's what fascinates me the most. Here's what I really want to know about when you said that feeling is the feeling that I was chasing like my whole life. That's what I want to hear more about. What did it feel like? Was it more that you just, your inhibition dropped or your body felt warm or you just relaxed or you felt more? Can you talk about that piece for a second? Yeah. It, you know, thinking back, it's a great question. I remember for the first time and maybe my whole 17 years of existence, I felt comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. And, um, in in like in a really weird demented way it was almost a spiritual experience that first time because i didn't have that twinge of anxiety i just finally felt whole like yeah i I had always felt like like i mean it was much more an emotional sure physically i felt great but i remember just thinking oh my gosh i don't have any anxiety i feel comfortable i feel confident there was this, this false sense of confidence and mm-hmm. um, even a little bit of arrogance. And it felt good because I was still this fat kid. So even though I was buff, I was very, very insecure. Mm-hmm. And like, couldn't so you, re- you had an inner fat kid in a, in a fit body. Yeah. hundred percent. And in that moment, it's like the fat kid went away and I was like, you step oh, no. forward. I'm the man I've done, I've done this work. I am the biggest kid in my high school. I do have the most muscle. Like, you know, and, and that's what it felt like. And I remember just thinking, man, like it felt so good. I remember I got home that night. I had some long chat with my mother about deep stuff. And I was like, this is the trick. Here's what. Yes. Yes. Okay. Here's what I love though. So in spiritual and spiritual work, I, I always talk about it. Like, um, one of my spiritual teachers, Ken Wapnick kind of talks about it like this. He would say, you know, when we view a piece of art, and we just go like, oh my God. Or when you um, listen to a song or read, uh, read something, whether it's poetry or prose or whatever, and you are taking something in and it makes you feel a very particular way. We think what we're having is the experience of that thing. 
the drug, the music, the sex, the orgasm, like whatever it is. Mm -hmm. What we're really trying to experience is God. Yes. What we're really trying to experience is God's love. And we confuse it. And that's why it was so important when you just said, I was laughing because you said it was a false, it was a false confidence because you were saying, for once I felt whole. And what I'm thinking is like, we're always already whole. That piece that was missing is the holiness. And this is, and I don't mean that in an ultra religious way. You know what I mean when I say that? I know I can say these things to you and you get what I'm saying. Yeah. But it's like, I love, this is what I'm saying. I think this is what we're searching for when we're chasing the money or the sex or the, the title or the prestige or the house or the vacation, like whatever the fuck we think we're going to get from these external things, it will never satiate like the divine will. No, couldn't have said any better. You know, in the recovery community, which I'll get to, obviously I'm sober today. You know, they, they, I heard early on that I suffered from a spiritual malady yes. and that like without a spiritual connection, like I'm left to my own devices and, <laughs> and that I had to find a chemical solution to a spiritual problem. And so in that moment, when it was this kind of demented spiritual experience, that's what I thought I was feeling. And yes. so, so that progressed um, and eventually- <laughs> The the, uh, the pharmacy at deals ran out and I, I didn't go down there anymore because my friend got busted and got stuck in a Mexican prison. And I'm like, I'm way too fucking pretty to go to prison. I'm not doing this. <laughs> and so all the drugs ran out. And when they ran out, I found out I was addicted. See, I didn't know what I was selling to high school kids that were doing it on weekends. I was not selling to junkies. Yes. So I didn't, I'd heard about like these awful withdrawals, but I hadn't ran out. So by the time I graduate high school, I'm fully addicted, but I don't really know I am because I'm using a couple every day or few, but I always had them. So I ran out and I got gnarly sick and I was like, oh my God, this is what withdrawals are. This is the worst I've ever felt. And, um, you know, I happen to be with some people I shouldn't be with and heroin was presented to me. I remember distinctly thinking that was a line I drawn in the sand, like, no way that's gross. I don't do that. Like I come from a good family. Um, and I said, no, at first, and it was probably all of a minute later. I said, let me see it. And so I shot up heroin for the first time and, uh, and that gets worse, never better. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> it spiraled. And that was it, you know, eight, just over 18 years old. And, um, by 20, I ended up in my first treatment center. And when I told my parents I needed to go to rehab, they said, they knew I partied. I wasn't living in the house, but I, I didn't look like a heroin. Act. I still went to the gym. It was nuts. And they said, for what? And I said, heroin. And I'm, I'll never forget all longest pause. And I said, hello, hello. My mom had dropped the phone and she picked it back up and she was like shaking. And she's, she said, heroin. What, 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 what? Like they had no clue. So I, I get into treatment and, uh, and, and, you know, and, um, I went in there and I said, I'm a 20 year old kid. I need to stop shooting heroin, but I'm not even legal age to drink yet. I'm not going to stop drinking. And, and honestly, I thought the treatment center would just fix me. And I thought that I just kind of had a bad run with heroin. It was heroin. I need to stay away with, stay away from. So, um, you know, I get out of there and I, and I proceed to start drinking and real quick, it ended back to cocaine and the cocaine right back to the heroin. And I did the cycle over and over for the course of, you know, almost, a, you know, a decade from 2005 wow. was my first treatment center. My sobriety date is November 20th of 2012. But during that time, I went through 
um, you know, and it, and it progressed and, and I, I went to six or seven different treatment centers. I started getting booked into jail. And if you're not ready to quit doing dope, you better not get caught in the system. So I kept getting put on probation that I violate probation. I'd go back to jail. And so I had 17 bookings into the county jail here uh, and would do stretches of a couple months or two months or six months. One time I did a year um, and I get out with renewed hope. And again, this is why I'm so big on spirituality and why I hear you when you talk was that I missed, you know, I, I missed the spiritual part of recovery. And what I've been told, what I know now to be truth, my truth is that if you miss the spiritual part of recovery, you've missed the whole recovery. <laughs> Yeah, I, look, dude. Yeah, this is why I love you. It's like you, you just like say it straight up, and you just tell it like it is, and that is so important. And 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 I again, I always go back to the, the path that I find so fascinating. It's in that moment. Why is all this happening, right? Because you can try and break it down, right? Like you try and do like a fucking chat, like a flow <laughs> chat of your addiction. It's like what? It all goes back to that little kid who never felt comfortable in his own skin. And yep. so it's, so what happens? Like, so it's like, like, oh, jail doesn't do it. Like, like all the shit, like, I think you were homeless at one point. Like your yep. whole life is a cluster. It is a shit show of epic proportions, but you're this good kid who comes from this good family, but you're just making bad decision, bad decision, bad decision, bad decision. What, if anything, can you point to a particular person, a particular moment, a particular thing? Like what was the thing that finally made it stick? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I did, I did a whole, almost a whole year in jail for 2011. Mm. And when I got out, I got out on the 27th of January, 2012. And um, you see my pattern had been, you know, when I was shooting up Coke and Aaron at the same time, I was doing all these things. My pattern had been, I would go hard for three or four months and something would intervene. The cops, my parents a lot, send me to detox or sending me to a rehab or then the cops, something would intervene where it would like, I'd get this reprieve and, you know, I try to get sober and then I'd go right back. And I, I would this say this spiritual team on the job, like your fucking team was working overtime to keep you alive. Yes. Yes. And a hundred percent. I got out of jail January 27, 2012. My birthday is January 31st. Now see, I hadn't shown up to a birthday either sober or shown up at all in probably the last seven years. Wow. And so they were so excited for me to be sober for my birthday. Oh, and wow. I remember I got out. I had never had this much clean time away from the drugs, but again, I'm still have a spiritual malady that I hadn't, it, I didn't, I didn't, you know, people find God in jail. I, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't do much well, of anything. Wait, Jesus, wait, you didn't find Jesus in, 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 in line in jail? Yeah, I, I mean, I probably should have tried, but I didn't, <laughs> you know, I didn't get him on the cafeteria plate. And so I, I get out and I'm still this kid and I'm still scared. And, um, and, and the craving comes back and I go to, and I, I make the call and I'm, 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 I'm sweating and I'm crying. And for once I could tell myself, you know, I learned these, you know, play the tape through. I played the tape all the way through driving downtown to meet this dude, to get heroin after a year of not doing anything. And I said, this is not going to end pretty. You're not going to, if, if, if you don't die by shooting the side, you're not going to stop until something stops. And I still went through with it and tears in my eyes and I did it. 
And uh, needless to say, I didn't draw another sober breath between that day and my sobriety day. So that was 11 months, which was a really long time straight for me to go uh, with how hard I use drugs. My parents quit enabling me. And that was one big thing. They loved me, but they were going to love me to death. They joined up with a sister program of AA called Al-Anon. And there, Al-Anon really fucked up my using. I fucked it up. They stopped enabling me. They stopped... Uh, I, I shout out for Eleanor because I have been I went I always say I was lucky enough to um, <laughs> date a number of alcoholics. Um, and so I started to realize at some point it wasn't so much that I was enabling that wasn't my relationship with it. But I was I'm like, why am I attracted to these people? Like, why does this seem like a good idea? And why does my happiness depend on them not doing or them doing or behaving a particular way? And my Al-Anon sponsor, I was only in for like a year, but man, did it make a difference. And I remember my wicked annoying, <laughs> wicked annoying because she was fucking smart, Al-Anon sponsor, Lauren. And I came to her one day and I was like, yeah, but he's doing, she's like, I don't care. And I'm like, yeah, but he's, I don't care. And I'm like, yeah, but she goes, look, keep the focus on yourself. Yep. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, Oh, so like if we have plans and that person doesn't show up or they break it or they let me down, like you can have a plan B, she says to me. Like it was literally like you're in a fog and you have no idea. So I can imagine your parents' enlightenment when they go to Al-Anon and they start to understand, oh, part of this is on you. Not meaning your usage is on them, but like you're part of this system that has been created that's allowing him to act like a little, like an insane, like addict. I love when you said my parents chose to stop enabling me because they were going to love me to death. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Literally like love me to the grave. They, now, they were trying so hard. Wasn't there a story you told me? I could, I could be totally pulling this out of my ass, but I don't think I am. Wasn't there a time like either you shot up in front of your mom or you were in the backseat of the car? Was that you where you were high in the backseat of the car and she was crying? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that when I was lead, that's that whole year got so bad. And because they finally let me hit the bottom uh, without putting the pillow underneath, I would hit some below bottoms. But I, I was homeless for that whole year and I was resourceful. I never slept on the streets, but I slept in some shitty places. And, and started doing methamphetamine that year, which brought me as close to, to whatever the lower powers I've ever felt. And at the very end of that year, uh, th- and this was the turning point when we got to the end of the year. And I, I, I was like, man, I got, I got to stop this. I can't, I, but I don't know how. And um, my grandfather died about five days before uh, I got sober. So my mother called me, informed me and said, we're having a funeral and she said, I got to pick you up. She said, do whatever you got to do to just be okay. And she, I knew with that, she knew with that, she knew I was an active heroin. She meant, don't be too high that you're drooling on yourself and please don't be dope sick. And I'm like, oh, if I could only find that mix, mom, that perfect little mix. Mm. So of course, because I ran out of it, I'm, I'm, I'm dope sick when she picks me up and I'm trying to fight through it because I love my grandpa. And I was like, hey, just, and, and I start throwing up in her car and she's mm. crying. She said, you can't go up like this. I said, just take me back. She said, no, you have to show up. This is so important. She said, what do we have to do? And I said, you got to stop by this guy's house. So she stops by and I go in and get the drugs and I get out. And 
get to the car and we're already going to be so late because I made her go so far out of the way. So she said, do whatever you have to do. And she had, she know I, she knew I shot heroin, but she never watched it. Mm. So I hop in the backseat mm. of her car and she's driving up the highway and I pull out my spoon and, and the whole kit, the, the needle, the lighter, and, and I'm cooking it and I, I draw it up in a syringe and I'm trying to find a vein and I keep catching her out of the, out of my eye, looking in the rear view mirror. And I remember it was just the ultimate act of selfishness. Like mm. it didn't, and I did it. And of course, immediately I feel better, but I remember kind of looking my head up and I'll never forget. I don't remember tons about that year, but I remember looking in the mirror and she's just sobbing down, just tears. Mm. And she mm. didn't say a word. She didn't say a word the whole ride. Like her heart was, she couldn't even get mad. She would get mad at me before. And she's crying. And I remember in that moment, it was so vivid. I had, I had not been truly suicidal out there using, which was interesting. I would threaten to kill myself because my life sucked, but I never actually wanted to. And in that moment, I thought, you have two very, very clear choices. You either need to kill yourself or you need to get sober. I couldn't go on another day like I was living. And I remember thinking, Okay, probably option one. I know so-and-so has a gun. And it was very a calm thought. I was like, I have to go through with this. And there was just that glimmer of like, but maybe option number two. And uh, that later that night after the funeral, I get arrested in a stolen car that I didn't even know was stolen. And that's the truth. Mm -hmm. And that's, that was, again, God intervened. Divine like, intervention. I, the kid said, Hey, can you drive? I don't have a kid's name. We're driving to get drugs. And, uh, I almost hit a cop because I'm not paying attention. Like we get pulled over and I remember him telling me, Oh dude, this car's stolen. And I thought, okay, there we go. And it was this weight. I remember being so calm in that moment. I knew I was going to go through detox. I knew I was going to jail. The cop came up and, and took me to jail. You know, the car was stolen. And, um, I remember getting there and just thinking, this was my sign. Like, what are the chances that I end up in a stolen car that I legitimately for once in my whole entire life didn't know was stolen? He didn't tell me. That's why he wanted me to drive. Mm -hmm. And, and I got there and I detoxed and um, it was the most hellacious detox of my life, but there was something greater there with me. I remember laying on the cement in, in, in basically a puddle of my own vomit and I remember instead of thinking, I make this go away, I remember just thinking this, this, the thought kept reoccurring. This is the last time you have to do this if you want to. This is the last time you have yeah. to do this if you want to. And, uh, and I made it through and uh, the charges were dropped. I did 30 days in jail and I got out and, um, you know, my mother picked me up instead of the drug dealer. And she said, you, I can't bring you home. You're, you're but we'll drop you off at a recovery meeting. So they dropped me off at a recovery meeting. And that's where my journey started. It was the decision to go left instead of right out of jail. Instead of call the dope dealer or, or my drug friends, it was call my mom, humble myself, said, I know I can't come there, but can you take me somewhere safe? And it was December 20th in Utah. It was snowing. And um, again, divine intervention. This guy said, do you need a ride home? And I said, I'd love a ride home, but I don't have a home. And he said, uh, I said, I'm 30 days sober. I just got out of jail. And I remember the guy looking at me and he kind of shook his head down. He said, all right, I'll let you stay with me. But I swear to God, if you steal from me, I'll break every principle in recovery and I'll beat your ass. And I said, okay, fair enough. So the guy let me stay on his couch. And then from there, um, 
Oh, that just got me emotional. Like, oh. (laughs) And again, this guy, you know, um, that was divine intervention. That he was the last one there that that was willing to let me stay on his couch because quite frankly, I'm not sure I'd let some guy with 30 days sober that I didn't know stay on my couch right now. I know how that shit goes. Yes. And and you know, I earned his trust and 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 that was eight years ago, eight plus years ago. And I, you know, I got really involved in recovery community. I really dove in. I worked these things called the 12 steps. And really what I found out there is that I was spiritually broken, that my conception of a higher power, I kept trying to pull off like this religious one that was taught to me. And the, the reality was is that when I got found out that I could kind of create my own, like my own understanding of a higher power, things just started to click. I started seeing spirituality as not just this you know, dogma and religion, which there's no problem with, but I was so focused on that, that I couldn't understand that all these moments happening to me were spiritual experiences mm-hmm. and that there was something greater looking after me. And the steps changed my life because I got a relationship um, with the power greater myself um, that I choose to call God. And, you know, I got to make amends through that process and my life changed. And real quick, I got back into fitness and um, got back into helping people and, the rest is history. I still, you know, in this, the shit I did when I first get sober, I still do today. Minus I went to a meeting every single day, sometimes twice a day, because I didn't have much of a life. I needed to be busy yeah. in, and you know, I still host. That was your recovery. job. Recovery was your job. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't go to as many meetings now. I host a men's recovery meeting at my office on Tuesday nights. Um, and, but I'm still enmeshed in, in, in the recovery community and everything that I did when I got Sober, I do today. I do a morning routine. I touch base with God. I do meditation. I seek through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with, with, with God. I, all the same stuff I did, and you know, prayers at night, the readings in the morning, all the same stuff I did to get sober. I continue to do to have a good life. Because you're Cause smart point, enough to know. About- yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You're, you're smart enough to know that like, if you want to continue to have this life, these goes back to those five D's daily dedication, determination, discipline, and devotion. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And that's, I think that's where I see so many people get, get, you know, eight, 10 years of long-term sobriety, and then they go back out and start using and it progresses fast. And now you have a shit ton to lose. I didn't have anything to lose back then. And, but honestly, it's, it's not even about like, well, let's make sure I, people say, oh, it must be a daily battle. I said, if it was a fucking daily battle, you think I'd still be doing it eight years later? I connect because I enjoy, I, it's not even about like, how can I not use drugs today? It's about like, what kind of person do I want to be today? And I know that when I let something greater than myself guide my decisions, Amen. I'm not only happier, but I make better choices. I serve other people better. I'm less selfish. And, and that's what I chase today. Dude, you, 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 you are totally speaking my language. Like, it's so funny how, like, when I came on your show, we were like, we didn't even talk. Like, I came on your show, we didn't even talk about nutrition or being vegan or like, whatever. I'm like, we're on the show. I'm like, I don't even know if we're going to talk about like the gym that much. Because um, the, the thing that I, I love so much about this story is if my, anybody who's listening right now who listens to my show, they know exactly why you're on my show. A, it's all about spirituality and storytelling. You have an incredible story and your life is so grounded. Like this is, this is what I'm always talking about as a spiritual mentor. Like I always say daily non-negotiable. 
I'm like, I call it book ending your day with God. And you start with those anchors in the morning and at night, but then at some point you are making conscious contact with the divine, with God, with source. You, I don't care what you call it. I, I say God too, but I don't care what people call it because all I know is if I'm driving the bus alone, we are fucked. And so yes. I'm like, it's just like, you know, and you, you talked about this, like you're dialed into uh, K fucked radio, right? Like we were laughing yeah. about that. So it's like, I just love it. And one of the things that you um, you did a post a few months ago that I thought was beautiful, or it might have been a few weeks ago. Uh, I've kind of lost track of time and space, but you have a beautiful young son, and I, I, I want I'm going to paraphrase, but I think what you said was something like, "I am so blessed, like I am so happy that my son is is never going to have to know me." as an addict or meaning like, or see you drunk or whatever. What can you tell me exactly what you said and what it's like to be a dad now? And if that affects what you're up to. Yeah. Um, God, even you just saying my son gets me emotional. Um, yeah. You know, one day at a time, my, my kid never has to see me high or drunk or not consciously present with him, you know? And, um, you know, I didn't think having a kid was in the cards for me. I should have had many scares, many, but I didn't. And, um, you know, it was that moment where, where my, my son's mother was, they said, okay, she's about to push. We're at the hospital all day. Right. And I said, I use the bathroom real quick. And I went in there and I have to use the bathroom. I just started sobbing tears of gratitude. It was just this very spiritual experience that like everything I had done, and made it through led me up to this point to like watch a kid that like I created be born <laughs> and um and he looks eerily too much to like me and when I see him I just remember like just how insignificant all my bullshit problems are that I try to make <laughs> a big deal like I'm like you know this kid is just full of love and, and I get to be there for him and I get to set a good example. And, and that's another leverage point for me to continue to walk the walk and speak a language that hopefully as he grows up, that he understands that like we just truly are, you know, spiritual beings having human experiences, not human beings. Like I just believe that. And mm -hmm. when, you know, I just, the example I get to set for him about what being a man looks like today mm. is exciting to me. And, you know, his dad might have tats all over and be a big dude, but I want to talk about like being a man is about being empathetic and being kind and showing your emotions and being able to say things like, Hey, I got to talk to you. That hurt my feelings, mm -hmm. not fuck you, mm -hmm. I, you know, puff your chest up. Like that's just not how I live my life today. You know, I do know. I do know. That's so. why you're on the show. I do know. And he's only like, what, like a year old? He's a little guy. He's seven, mo seven ah. months. He's even younger. So it's just, dude, I, I am just so like happy for you. I am happy for him that he gets to know you. Like my, these, these are, this is like my branded sweatshirt, right? Like stop playing dumb. <laughs> what it means, stop playing Love dumb, it. is like stop playing dumb about who you really are is like one of God's kids. Stop playing yeah. dumb about who you really are. Because as soon as you stop playing dumb, you're fucking shit out of excuses. And so, cause yeah. it's like, once you remember, oh yeah, I always say to people, you are one of God's kids, start acting like it. And mm. I love that you have stopped playing dumb about your true nature, which does mm. include that strength 
and that wholeness and holiness that you were always seeking. It was always within you. It's like the Wizard of Oz. Like Dorothy thinks she has to go to Oz to get the gifts, but it was right there in Utah, aka Kansas, like the whole time. And it's just yeah, like yeah, yeah. we have this spiritual amnesia, right? And then all of a sudden we remember ourselves. And the fact that your son is going to get to see that part of your strength is your vulnerability, and he's going to get to see you be present and like I, 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 I am just so thrilled. And talk to us just a little bit. So anybody, obviously, who comes to work with you for a training program or for fitness or like whatever, your coaches in your business, this is part of the heartbeat of it. They don't just get like a food plan or whatever. There's like this, this piece of it because you bring your whole and holy self to your work now. So talk to us a little bit about, just tell people like how yeah. you help people in the world. Like what do you do in your gig? Yeah. Yeah. So I have, I have coaches that, uh, work underneath me and not, um, I have two that are in recovery, uh, that are willing to talk about some of this. So I, I, I would hate to give the impression that key nutrition is a whole, because oh, some no, of my no, coaches, no. What, what uh, I, they're I'm, just much more focused. No, no, let me interrupt. I mean, no, I'm being rude. With my I'm, coaching. Yeah. No, but what I mean is that like, I'm not saying that when I say you bring your whole self, what I don't mean, I'm not saying you're going to sit down with your clients and talk about recovery. What I mean is you're who you are now, this whole self, you bring that into your service. Oh so yeah, absolutely. That's, that's what I mean. So like if somebody gets a program with you personally, it's not just going to be like, you know, macros and your calves and you got to do this. Like you're bringing this whole, wholeness concept to your work is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, absolutely. I tell them. So on, on the discovery call, we chat and I say, hey, listen, I'm just going to preface this up front. I'm a coach that's going to tie. I believe that being fit is this four legged chair and we have your, your obviously your physical fitness. And that's why you think you're coming to me. And, that, and that, like you are, you are, but we cannot get this. It's like balancing on this bar, this chair that's wobbly. We, then you have, you know, your, your, your mental, your mental health, your emotional health and your spiritual health. And they all tie together because they impact your decisions and you can't figure out why you keep emotionally eating, but you're an emotional wreck who has no spiritual connection. And like <laughs> my job is to help just to point that out. And I tell them I'm, I'm a guy who's going to talk about things like, Hey, I didn't give a shit about your food this week. I want to challenge you to finally do the meditation we talked about and gratitude journal every morning. Then we'll be able to work on the food better next week. Like that's what, that's how, and, and so I, I, I tell them up front, if you just want somebody to do your training and tell you how, what your macro should be, you can probably find a coach a little cheaper than me. That's just going to do those things. Um, I'm going to talk about this whole well-rounded approach and I pull off my experience. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know what it's like to be addicted to sugar, but I know what it's like to be addicted to something. Yes. And I know that when you feel lost and you feel, you know, hopeless, I get that feeling and, and I get the self-deprecation and I get, get, you know, I get all that. So yeah, I tell people that I, I make it very distinct to them. Like I'm a coach is going to talk about these things because it's not just like you can't make, make your macros work because you absolutely suck. Obviously <laughs> something is driving those. And oftentimes, you know, we can identify some tactics to do to get you more sound, some breath work, some meditation. So you're just a little less fucking antsy. And you can actually yes. pause when agitated and make better decisions. So, yeah. Well, 100%, because I remember in our conversation on your show, but also something that you said earlier in the podcast, in that moment when you said you have a decision to make, you can kill yourself or maybe option number two. 
And something that I know that runs deep through my work, but also through your work as well, is that it's all about you get to make a choice. But if you don't have the ability to pause, if there is not a space between the insane thoughts, then there's actually no choice making. You're just doing everything out of fear and habit. This is why you're smart enough to know. And this is why you don't let your clients like, quote unquote, Sheena, right? Like that's why Sheena hates you because you make her think beyond um, like just her food choices. And that's why it's like a little uncomfy. And this is the plight of coaches everywhere, whether you're a spiritual mentor, a life coach, a fitness coach, like whatever. It's like trying to explain to people like what you just said is people come to me they get on this discovery call and i say to them you think you're coming to me for the fitness piece yeah but if they're not willing to address the other shit in their life the fitness isn't really going to happen or they could follow it to a t with the calories the macros the fats the the, 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 this many sets right how how are we going to stack this workout split whatever they could do all that and they might physically look better, but they won't be fucking happy. Amen to that. Exactly. And so I just was, we, we've got a few minutes left and I really, um, for those of you who are listening, um, you, I'm going to, I'm going to put in the show notes, how to reach you. You can, uh, in fact, why don't you tell people right now before we bring Sheena on, can you tell them just like where to find you if they want to work with you or one of your other coaches, because you are entrepreneurial, you do have these great programs. And if you, I know you have a program, I think it goes in like 12 week stints or something. Can you talk about whatever you want to talk about and make sure people know, talk about it right now. Yeah. So we have a program called the next level experience. I just started, which was kind of taking, you know, um, all the components of, you know, emotional, um, like, you know, I teamed up with my friend Alti who does energy work. Um, so emotional, mental, spiritual week, there's a physical week. I, I'd actually talked to you about coming on on the spiritual week. We yeah! have special contributors. Uh, there's a physical challenge week, but the, it's at its theme We're you know, we're, we're teaching people. There's weekly accountability check-ins for, um, you know, for your nutrition, for your fitness, but it's taking the whole kind of well-rounded approach and trying to jam pack. And it's with a small community. It's an intimate setting. It's a once a week zoom call, but the website for that will be dropped. We actually did our full first iteration with no website. That was a lot of grassroots marketing on yes. my part. Yes. I said, Oh shit. I don't know. I have a website. No shit. I, cause I didn't know if this was going to be a thing. No, you and were after doing the like first the one, beta. like you did it, you like yeah. Testa. But it was a hit and people loved it. And I would see your videos afterwards. And dude, you were lit up after those calls too. So say so it again. Slow, you talk fast like me. Say it again one time slowly. What's the name of it? The Next Level Experience. The Next and Level so, Experience. And I don't know when this it- will drop, but website will be coming in the next uh, week on that. So we're going to do another launch. But if you go to my Instagram, follow me on Instagram at the Sober Bodybuilder, all one word. Um, you're going to see a lot of stuff coming for that for the second round that's coming up. We're hoping to launch it very beginning of uh, February, but you know, follow me on social media. My podcast is the key nutrition podcast and the website for coaching personally with me or any one of my coaches is just key So key 
at Sober Bodybuilder for IG. And again, all these links and stuff will be down there. And this was probably going to come out in February, but maybe because I have um, January, I have a guest that's dropping the last week, but maybe I'll drop, I'll do something radical. Maybe I'll drop yours like, you know, right after that. Cause I want people to, if they're interested to be able to find out about it. But if it doesn't drop until a little later in the month, I will certainly do shout outs for you um, as you're promoting. Cause I believe in you and I believe in anything that you're, that you're leading. So I'll, I'll help you out. I'll, I'll hook a brother up too oh, about you. that. <laughs> so uh, I just appreciate you so much. And I love the work that you're doing. Uh, but I, I also know um, that um, I wanted, I wanted people to get to know um, this other person that is in your world who I love. Her name is Sheena. And I was wondering if you could, I know you told her to shut up a little while ago and just sit down, but do you think sure she's does. ready to, to come on? Yeah, Let me grab her real quick. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Uh, so you guys, I learned about Sheena um, through knowing Brad, and uh, I, I really hope that you're watching this right now as opposed to uh, just listening. But even if you're listening, you're going to enjoy this. But I highly encourage you to um, to um, maybe pause now and go over to the YouTube link so that you can meet Sheena face to face, because I I just love her. I love her. She just is really, I mean, I think she's really trying hard to like follow Brad's advice. And I think, you know, she just keeps bumping up against herself. You know, she keeps like getting in her own way. And I think she self-sabotages a little bit. And even though, oh boy. Oh, um, so Sheena, you couldn't hear what I was just saying, right? No, I couldn't. What's your name? Uh <laughs> Karen? Is it Karen? Oh, you're the Karen, huh? Yeah. You're oh, Karen? Yes. About all the jokes? Okay. Okay. So I was just telling the folks how you um, work with Brad. And my understanding is you've worked with him for, for quite a while now. Can you tell me a little bit about how you came to work with him and um, what's it like working with him um, as your coach? So first off, I just have to say thank you for having me on the show. It's a great <laughs> honor. Um, sorry about my hair. My hair girl has been out for like four weeks because she had COVID. Isn't that like a 10 day thing? But anyways, so, um, what were you saying? Oh, Brad. Yeah, he's fine. We've done like, I think I've had like 412 appointments with him. I'm still currently up 12 pounds, which is concerning to me, but, um, he's fine. He's a little bit of a dick. Sorry. Um, so, but yeah, it's fine working with him. He's, he's sub average. Well, so like when you say he's kind of a dick, like, do, do you really just mean that he um, is trying to hold you accountable? Like what, what part of it are you like of his services? Are you not happy with? Well, first off, um, he rudely interrupts me as I'm telling a very, very serious story. Okay. So he says I'm full of excuses. Um, <laughs> So let me just tell you something about Brad that you might not know. Brad doesn't have a life. You know what he does? He lifts weights. So he's not popular. Nobody ever invites him out. And so he doesn't have any empathy. He talks about a lot. He talks of a game, but he doesn't have any empathy for, I can't get this knot out of my hair. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I am very popular. I have a very, very busy social life. And so he says that my weekends are ruining me. And that I should stop doing detox cleanses. So he tries to hold me accountable, but I need love, not, I don't need a militant. Oh. Okay. 
Oh, well, I, I thought he was trying to be nice and helpful because I remember seeing um, a video clip like you were talking to um, his friend who does like therapy. So I thought. He oh, was... he was the worst. He was oh. worse than Brad. That piece of shit. I swear to God. Well, OK, but what? Look, I mean, I just have to say as Brad being my friend and also being a coach, you know, we don't coach because we want to be dicks to people. I mean, we really do want to help you. And and I think I think he might have said to me when I wanted to invite you on the show, like one of the things we could maybe talk about it, something about like emotional eating. Does that sound familiar? Oh, Karen, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you real quick. Sorry, I know this is your show, but. I don't like accusations and <laughs> I, I don't, I, to label me as such for being a spiritual mentor. That's not very spiritual. Okay. Let me tell you what I do. I eat when I feel emotional. That does not make me an emotional eater. Okay. Are we clear? I, I mean, I am hearing you loud and clear, but I think I wasn't being judgmental i was actually just leading with curiosity because i was trying to understand um why if you've had 421 appointments like you're still 12 pounds up and i'm really coming from a place of love sheena i'm not trying to bust your balls i'm really trying to understand you um i don't really understand the question i'm gonna be honest so um <laughs> and do you know that curiosity killed the cat one time literally killed the cat so maybe you should stop being curious, Karen. Um, but it's good for me to touch base with him. Um, he he can be nice sometimes. Um, and then sometimes not so nice. But he's tried to fire me 17 times, but I won't allow it. And so, um, but, you know, just like, I just want to say there's hope for everybody. And I think I'm going to pull it together one day. I'm looking for the right man. That's my problem. Oh, I keep wow. finding dudes who just want to go get drunk and then go get a burrito. <laughs> and so I'm looking for just the guy who's into fitness. If you don't know any friends, do you just send them over here to Utah? Okay. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't know anybody single in Utah, I think, except for Brad, no, just, but I think that wouldn't, that's like client. Like Ew. No, no, and oh. he's disgusting. Are you serious? <laughs> who gets a neck tat? You know who gets a neck tat? A degenerate, okay? <laughs> you might as well just go to prison. He's okay, but... but not, you know how gross that is? Okay, but look, Sheena, I mean, from, from woman to woman, okay? You haven't, like, you haven't let him be fired. You, you continue to work with him. So can we, in the spirit, in the spirit of the holidays and, and, and with the new year, maybe let's like go into the new year positive. There's something about him that keeps you working with him. Can we, can we maybe like dig a little deep and find something nice or your favorite thing about him or something positive that we can end the, the show on? Because you're my closer, Sheena. I mean, like you're this important. I am like closing out the show with you and I think you can help people. So can you we really maybe just, can we shine a light on something nice or positive? But hold on, go right back. Did you mean that? Of course really I mean meant it. Of course I meant it. It's like everywhere I go, I'm the star of the show. It's, <laughs> so it's it's always flattering, but it's kind of overwhelming. Um, you know, I think I think one good quality about Brad is, um, you know, he so um, he writes posts, and at the end, he says, "You got this," 
And sometimes he tells me when I'm leaving, hey, Sheen, you got this girl. And that always makes me feel really good. And I feel like I, and I do get, I, I, I got this shit Monday through Thursday all the time. <laughs> and so he always, he always, he's the good cheerleader. You got this. And I like that about him. So if I had to pick one thing, that was probably it. I'm not sure he's really the smartest, but <laughs> that's okay. I mean, mm-hmm. whatever. So, cause we can, we can forgive him for maybe not being the smartest, but I think he really cares about you. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think he really tries. Maybe it's like that tough love that my mother always gave me. Hmm? Yeah, <laughs> yes. And he uh, knows I have daddy issues anyway, so he doesn't need to bring that bullshit into our appointment. Oh okay? yeah, because you you're not a big fan of the spiritual stuff, right? The mindset stuff. Does that bother you a little bit? Oh, I think it's so woo woo. Oh, let's connect in the morning. Like, let's meditate and sit in silence. Like, no, that's <laughs> fine. That I do believe in positive affirmations, though. I usually tell myself how beautiful I am and that <laughs> um, that my hair is just perfect and that I am just the star of the show. Well, you, so. you, you are the star of the show and you captured my hat and it's why I wanted Brad to ask you to come be on the show. And oh, so I'm let- so sorry about being rude to you. You can just keep saying nice things. It's okay. It's okay. I, I understand this can be a little nerve wracking and overwhelming, but I, I would like, if you're up for it, like one of the things I love to do as a spiritual mentor is to kind of hold a positive vision for my clients. So if there's something that we won't call it praying, right? But we'll call I'm holding a positive vision. I know you love positive affirmations. So is there a goal or something that you're trying to, um, or a dream or something in 2021 that you're going after that maybe um, me and my listeners, we can hold a positive vision for you, like, and cheer for you and be your balcony people? Um, well, let's see here. I have a long list of accomplishments I want to do in 2021. Um, the first is finding a job. Oh, uh, you can just hold that space for me. But a job that pays at least six figures a year, full benefits, lots of paid time off, um, flexible schedule, work at home, um, unlimited six days actually would be really good. Uh, and something super easy. I'm looking for about 20 hours a week, if you know of anything. So that's my main goal this year. I'm also looking to do a Miss America pageant. I've never done a normal pageant, but I just, you know, if you're going to swing for the fences, just why do these bullshit little petty ones? So um, just hopefully COVID goes away. Um, and then I can do my first Miss America pageant. I'm not sure how to enter, but if you guys could just do your spiritual thing and send all the vibes and shit, whatever, that's great. <laughs> Sheena, it, it would, it's my pleasure to uh, do that for you. And just thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, and I'm, I don't want to be rude and kick you off or rush you out, but I know Brad has um, a call that he has to be on in a few minutes. So can we just say goodbye now? And then um, I'll just do a quick goodbye with Brad. But thank you for coming over. Thank you for sharing with my listeners. Uh, we love you. We're going to be cheering for you. And uh, just, just thank you so much, sweetheart. Well, thank you, Karen. I would like a little longer next time. So just pencil that in, okay? I, I'll make About a note of it. Yeah. Four to five for the Sheen, 15 for Brad. Okay. okay I'm on bye-bye. It. I'm bye. On it. Bye, everybody. Bye. You guys can follow me at Sheen on Instagram. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Brad, you are right, no- Sorry about that. Dude.
I, I just adore you. I love you, brother. I am so happy that you came on the show. Thank you for bringing Sheena with you. You're, and, you're welcome. And I cannot wait to share you and your incredible story and the work that you do. I, I would love, we got to do this again. This is going to be like yeah. an annual event where we show swap and stuff like that. Cause I just know so my fun. listeners, my listeners are going to fall in love with you and Sheena. And is there any final thing? Like if, if, if there was somebody who's just finally trying to become fully embodied in their body, in their fitness, with their eating, drinking their water. Is there any final thing that you would just want to say to the folks who um, are listening right now? You know, just take, sounds cheesy. Just take it one day at a time. And there's no, the, you know, everyone's racing to lose weight the fastest to a finish line that doesn't exist. This is an in perpetuity deal. This health and well-being and fitness and longevity, it's it's a lifetime deal. So take it one little step at a time, just like I do when I got sober, one little step at a time. I had a 505 credit score and, and like all this shit, I had nothing, one little pebble at a time. So be patient and be ruthlessly consistent, but find something that works for you. You can say when you're doing whatever to lose weight, I could do this in some way, shape or form the rest of my life, give or take, you know, obviously you're not going to be dieting your whole life, but the way you're going about your health and fitness is something that is sustainable because if, the, if the, the approach isn't sustainable, the results will be very hard to be maintainable. I a hundred percent agree. Are you taking personally any clients on right now? Yeah. Yeah. I have a few spots. Yeah. Um, and uh, I have a few spots open right now. By the time it's launched, I might have a small waiting list, but usually it's just a month or so. So yeah, uh, yes, I am. So just if you apply and if I'm too busy, Michelle will reach back and say, hey, you know, this other coach would be great for you or he has a two week waiting list or a month. But um, yes, I'm still taking him. I just cap it out. So and you can and you coach. It's virtual, right? So somebody in like New yep. Hampshire or whatever can like get your assistance. In your Almost home. all of my clients are virtual. So yeah. amen, brother, dude. Thank you so much for making the time to come on the show. I appreciate you. I love you i, I love I, you i hope you have an amazing rest of your day we'll circle back i know we literally both gotta run so i will i will circle back with you offline to connect and to show a little more gratitude but just do thank you're the you best so much for being here those of you who tuned in thank you so much for listening you know i love you i appreciate you i celebrate you wherever you go may you leave the people the place the animals the environment better than how you found it wherever you go may you be a blessing bye Hey, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny Show. <laughs> I super duper appreciate your time, friendship, and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days and let me know what your favorite part was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. -E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you wanna hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. 
Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.